Oh yeah, what's up everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Review It Rob show. I am of course your host, Reveal It Rob, coming at you on the freaking most excited week for a lot of us. The week we've been waiting for for so long now, over a year. It is finally here. It is actually happening. We are now in the midst of Zack Snyder's Justice League week, baby! That's right, Zack Snyder's cut, the Snyder cut of Justice League. The movie we've been hoping to be released is finally going to be released this Thursday as they're recording this episode, March 18th, 2021. Dude, so freaking excited for this. Been excited for it for so long and they just keep releasing these trailers and hyping it up and hyping it up and hyping it up. And I'm freaking hyped up and hyped up and hyped up. So ready for it. I think I've decided I'm going to watch it as soon as it premieres on HBO Max. Get some sleep when I can. I think go ahead and watch the whole four hours before going to work. Because I can't wait any longer, man. I'm ready to just dive in, watch this movie, see my favorite superhero, The Flash, uh, see the whole movie, see what we've been hoping for for the longest time, seeing what we were supposed to get. It's happening this week. It's going down. It's going to be here before long. Uh, before recording, it seemed like there's some kind of issues going on with the servers for the live stream that they're doing right now for some people. Um, for Zack Snyder's trying to do, for some reason, there's an issue going on there. So that's a worry because... Um, you know, when this movie's finally on HBO Max, there's a lot of people probably going to that bad boy to check the movie out as soon as possible. So, fingers crossed, nothing bad or um, technical-wise tech, technical happens, technological-wise happens. Um, was super excited, man. So ready for this. Can't wait. That is going to be going down in a couple days, man. So freaking excited. Uh, other than that, you know, myself, not much going on other than that. Uh, last week, I was... Um, at my brother's house, uh, recording, uh, while well, I recorded some episodes over there, but I was there house sitting and watching the, uh, pups while he was in the most magical place on earth, Universal Studios Orlando. And I did like the craziest binge watches of all binge watches, man. I binge watched Drake and Josh, not every single episode cause they don't have every episode on Hulu. What the fuck's up with that? And then I binge watched iCarly on Netflix. I don't know why I got the desire to do that, but I freaking did. And it was, you know, interesting, and it was fun, and it was cool to jump into and jump around and, you know, check that stuff out again, because I never really watched iCarly. I think I was about done with uh, Nickelodeon at that point in time when that came around, but, you know, I remember uh, Miranda Cosgrove from, of course, School of Rock and uh, Drake and Josh, so after watching Drake and Josh, I'm like, you know, screw it. I watch iCarly and just binge watch that whole thing, so, hey, whatever, cool, fun show, fun show, man, but nonetheless... Pretty much what I've been doing, you know, just watching stuff as normal. Released two episodes of Flix It, which that show, um, I think is going to be transitioning over to the Patreon pretty soon. It's, you know, uh, Netflix hasn't really been releasing movies like they said they were going to be releasing. So, uh, and if they are, they're not promoting them in any way whatsoever for us to know they're out there. So, you know, that show might be moving to Patreon and be using my original idea for that show to where I was just going to hit the shuffle button. That uh, Netflix has, which is a pretty cool idea. I wish other streaming services had that. But going to hit that thing and just whatever comes up, pop up, watch it, and review it. But yeah, uh, Flixit may be moving over to Patreon before too long. But this show is still staying free for everybody who wants to uh, take in part of that. But, you know, the Patreon, we got some stuff going on over there. Like I said, Flixit's probably moving over there very soon. Uh, what is on there right now is the Nightmare on Review It street show that I've been having a blast doing. Where I'm going through the Nightmare on Elm Street series and, you know, reviewing the movie and doing first uh, first watch commentary so been fun had a blast with it. the last two movies not the biggest fan of 
But uh, there'll be another one coming this week as if we continue on this trend of moving forward. We've got the Saw one coming up right after that. So a lot of stuff going on over there. Planning on doing that with some more franchises. I have a Halloween Horror Nights show coming where I'm looking at the movies that have been used at Halloween Horror Nights. And, you know, just a whole bunch of other stuff going on on the Patreon uh, very soon. So the people who've joined the Patreon, thank you so much. Appreciate the support. If you want to support me, $4 a month. No, no big deal. You know, $4. And then, you know, you're helping support a person who loves talking about stuff so that's basically all that's really been going on so whew, so excited man and you know it's freaking Zack Snyder Justice League week um what else has happened and we can go ahead and start jumping into the news here is we've got a new box office crown we got a new leader in the all-time uh box office uh and it's an old leader Avatar has now taken back its lead as the highest grossing film of all time taking it from Avengers Endgame uh, Avatar was re-released uh, over the weekend, over the last week, sometime uh, last week. It was re-released, and it is now taken over. Um, I think it's only, I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it's not highly over Avengers Endgame right now, but it's taken back over because it's been re-released and, you know, markets that are now starting to open movie theaters back up and everything. So, um, you know, I guess congratulations to them. I'm not the biggest fan of the Avatar film. I don't think it's as amazing as people make it out to be. But, you know, again, good on them. Congratulations on the success. I have a feeling um, Avengers Endgame can probably take it back. I'm sure that movie will be re-released at some point in time as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But as of now, Avatar is back at the number one spot. Um, other news has uh, come out. but We can now announce that Matt Reeves' The Batman starring Robert Pattinson has officially wrapped filming. Um, according to the producer's plan, the Batman will hit theaters on March 4th, 2022. Excited for that, man. Can't wait. Super stoked for that. As you know, you've heard of me uh, throughout the many episodes of this show. I love DC. DC is my my uh, superheroes, my comic book uh, thing, if you will. So, love DC, and I can't wait for that movie. That movie's going to be super exciting. But 2022, we still got... Um, uh, we got Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out this week. We've got the Suicide Squad coming out later this month, uh, this year as well. That will also be on HBO Max. Uh, we got the Peacemaker show coming. We've got we've got stuff coming down the pike. Aquaman two, fuck that movie. Um, sorry, boycott until we get rid of Amber Heard in that movie. As long as she's in it, not watching that movie. But uh, we still got some other stuff coming to be excited about. And again, the Suicide Squad is going to be the next thing here after Zack Snyder's Justice League. So dope. Um, speaking of, while we're still in the DC world, a couple more news that things have broke. Uh, Chrissy Clemens, who's playing Iris West, we will be seeing her in Zack Snyder's Justice League here very in a couple of days. She is uh, very much, uh, very much attached to uh, Star in the upcoming Flash movie. So that's cool to know that she'll be uh, continuing on her character from Zack Snyder's Justice League because apparently that's going to end. Uh, that movie is just going to end where it ends. Uh, there is a tease at the end of the movie from what I understand, but... Uh, it's not really going to go anywhere because that movie's apparently there are no plans for that to go forward according to Zack Snyder himself. So, but uh, Iris West, Chrissy Clemens will be uh, reprising the role in the upcoming Flash movie that we're getting. As well, we can also now set Maribel Verdu, who is in Pan's Labyrinth, uh, has signed on to star as the Flash's mom, who is important to the Flash's story. So that's great. Uh, I saw a story where the an actor who played Flash's dad, uh, Billy Crudup. Codrup, whatever his last name is, um, he's apparently dropped out of the movie uh, due to scheduling conflicts. So they're gonna have to recast the Flash's dad, but you know, whatever. But uh, good news again, we're getting casting news for the Flash, so it makes me feel better because you know I'm a huge Flash fan. Flash is my superhero, 
and that's one of the things I'm most excited about to see. Um, I'm always excited to see him on the big screen, and I mean it's like this huge deal for me and Zack Snyder's Justice League is seeing him, and then this movie is an even bigger deal for me because I love the Flash. I you know have grown to really love Ezra Miller. Uh, when he was first cast as the Flash, I was a little annoyed because, you know, I was watching the Flash TV show. I'm like, Grant's doing a great job. Let's just let him play the character. But then I saw him play the Flash. I uh, saw Ezra play the Flash. I'm like, fucking A, I love it. And then Ezra, of course, has been in the Wizarding World. And he's done other countless other movies that I've gone back and watched of his. And just he's become, like, one of my favorite actors. So I'm happy to see him getting a standalone Flash movie where he's going to get to star. And happy to have a Flash movie as well. So, cool. Bring that on. Can't wait. Super stoked and excited for that movie. Other news we got about DC uh, involving HBO Max is there is a Batgirl and Zatanna coming uh, to HBO Max. I believe the Batgirl is still supposed to be a movie, but uh, Zatanna, from what I can understand, is going to be a show, which is great, man. Uh, it's going to be cool to see Zatanna put out there, have um, an option. She hasn't really been in anything other than uh, animated stuff and the video game, um, the uh, the Injustice video game. So. That's great to see. I'm glad they're doing something with her. Batgirl has been rumored for a while. It was a movie at one point with Joss Whedon attached. He left. Um, I can't remember if he left because of Justice League's... I don't, I don't remember why uh, Joss Whedon left. But um, some people would say that was a good thing. So uh, Batgirl has been rumored for a while. And now that they have it pretty much planned for something on HBO Max, I think we can consider that to be a go. So... Uh, both of those things happening. A lot of stuff going over there in the DC world. This DC fan is super stoked and excited. Um, now, next bit of news to jump into is a rumor that came out, which is very interesting, but has not been confirmed by anything since it's been come out, since it, uh, this rumor has hit. And uh, it involves one of my favorite singers, uh, one of my favorite, probably my favorite director, Rob Zombie. A uh, rumor came out, unconfirmed report, that Universal Pictures hired Rob Zombie to direct a feature film centered around the Munsters, the classic television show. Um, uh, very interesting, came out of nowhere in rumor. Uh, Rob Zombie, he is a fan of the Munsters, obviously. Uh, Dragula, I mean, there you go. Uh, you can notice there is Munsters in House of Thousand Corpses. He has, he's a, he's a fan. He's a huge fan of. He was even in um, uh, Munster Go Home, which was a. Uh, let's see. Was that a DVD for, yeah, it was a Blu-ray release by Scream Factory last year. He did commentary track with Butch Patrick for the Munsters, Munster Go Home. Um, so let's jump into this report a little bit. It was released courtesy of something called Murphy's Multiverse, uh, with the site additionally noting that production on the film is currently set to begin in Budapest in early May. Murphy's Multiverse also went on to report that Sherry Moon Zombie, who is, of course, in all of Rob Zombie stuff, and Jeff Daniel Phillips, who Rob has worked with multiple times, will be playing Lily and Herman Munster in the Rob Zombie-pinned film. Uh, the casting also includes, which is very interesting to see, Cassandra Elvira Peterson. So, the Munsters and Elvira apparently would be in this movie. Or, maybe it's just Cassandra Peterson playing herself. Um, who knows? Playing a different character. So, that was interesting. Still nothing confirmed there. We move forward a little bit more. Uh, Doctor Who's actor Sylvester McCoy, who is not listed in that multi, uh, Murphy's Multiverse report, mentioned in a in various uh, interviews dating back to this past September that he would be appearing in Rob Zombie's next movie. And wouldn't you know it, he noted it was he noted in those interviews that the film would be shooting in Hungary, Budapest, of course, the, is the capital of Hungary. 
and the reported filming location for the Project Murphy's Multiverse is claiming uh, for the Monsters movie. Uh, Sylvester. Yeah, Sylvester. Sorry, Sylvester and Tweed just popped in my mind for some reason there. So Sylvester went on to say... Da 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 da. Freaking lost my point. Where did I? Where did I? Okay, so he went on to say that it's quote what he's working on with Rod Zombie. It's quote a horror comedy which was supposed to be shot in Hungary, but that has been put on hold. Can't really say anything about it, but it's a film that Rob Zombie's directing, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens with that project. Hopefully, we'll start trying make it again next year. McCoy told Scream Magazine back in September of 2020. He also told the Sunday Post around the same time, I'm due to be in Hungary in March to shoot a film for Rob Zombie, who's asked me to be in the movie. It's a com comedic Dracula film. I'm playing Dracula's butler, McCoy added in the interview. Uh, the most recent mention of this mysterious Dracula project from McCoy came courtesy of a Yahoo interview in February 2021, wherein the actor noted that the project is back on. I'm doing a Rob Zombie film in Hungary, McCoy told Yahoo, suggesting that the pandemic delayed the filming of the movie, but that it's gearing up to begin shooting here in 2021. This would seem that that project that McCoy is referring to and the Project Murphy's Universe reported on this week are one and the same, with McCoy's comments confirming that Zombie is indeed getting ready to shoot a horror comedy in Budapest this year. And what is the monsters? A horror comedy. So, very interesting, man. Very interesting to see where that's going. I, of course, huge fan of Rob Zombie. I like the monsters. I was more of an Adams Family person, but I do enjoy the monsters film. So, or the show. Um, so, I mean, that's very interesting. Again, nothing confirmed. Very much unconfirmed report. Rob Zombie hasn't said anything. Universal hasn't said anything. Nothing's really come out, you know, other than these reports. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. This is something to uh, pay attention to. Of course, we'll um, talk about it more once news breaks on this either way. But very interesting to think about. You know, it's cool to hear that Rob Zombie's working on something. His new album just released, so I'm sure he has the plan for right now. But, you know, hey, good to know, man. Good to know that stuff is going on in the Rob Zombie camp. Uh, speaking of the Adams Family, yeah, the Adams Family's getting some work right now with Tim Burton doing the Adams Family. Talk about great matches. Tim Burton, the Adams Family. That seems like a perfect match. And then, of course, Rob Zombie, the Monsters, seems like a great match. So, cool, man. Cool. Into it. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, and I'll report that later. Uh, let's see. Other news we got here. We got some more casting news. Carrie Eels, who you know from uh, Saw, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Countless other things he's been in. He has joined the cast of Mission Impossible 7, which for this Tom Cruise nerd <laughs> is pretty cool because he was in Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. So they're going to be reuniting for Mission Impossible 7. That's cool. Awesome. Bring it on. Don't know if he'll be in 8, but he will be in Mission Impossible 7. So that's awesome. Uh, let's see. CW's Powerpuff Girls. Talked about that a couple times on the show in the past. Uh, the pilot has officially cast its trio. We have Chloe Bennett, who apparently is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Don't watch that show. I watched a couple episodes, didn't enjoy it at all. Um, she will be playing Blossom. Uh, the incredible Dove Cameron, uh, who I do know, uh, she's from Descendants. She was also on another Disney show, I think it was called Livin' Maddie. Uh, she's a fantastic singer, if you ask me. She's a Broadway actress. She did uh, Clueless on Broadway. Uh, she will be playing Bubbles, which seems very appropriate. And then we got Yana Pruitt, a pro... pro God, I suck a name. Paralette. 
uh, who is in, uh, on something called Jagged Little Pill. She will be playing Buttercup. So we've got our trio casted. So the show's moving forward. And cool. Like I said, the only one I recognize here is Dove Cameron. But hey, cool. Glad to know they got it casted. Glad to know it's moving forward. You know, I'm definitely going to check the show out, man. I'm interested in seeing how that goes. Uh, L. Fanning, the very talented L. Fanning, has joined the Agilist Ensemble of uh, Francis and the Godfather as Ali McGraw. The rest of the cast includes Oscar Isaac as director Francis Ford Coppola, Jake Gyllenhaal as Robert Evans, and Elizabeth Moss as Eleanor Coppola. Uh, this is the movie that's based on, I want to say it's based on a book about the making of The Godfather. So that's very interesting. Elle Fanning joining the cast. Elle Fanning, very talented man. I remember seeing her, I'm not 100% sure this is the first thing she's ever done, but the first time I ever saw her was in the movie Super 8. And she was freaking incredible in that movie. So, um... She's been good for a while. I mean, she's done countless other things that she's done. Uh, the only things coming to mind, Super 8 immediately comes to mind anytime I think about Elle Fanning. But she was also in the Maleficent movies and other things. <laughs> um, but yeah, very talented actress. So cool to see. And that movie's going to be interesting. Let's see. James Gunn has been out there debunking rumors. Uh, there is a rumor that recently came out of Zac Efron joining the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, there's also a report that Marvel, also in that same report, they said that Marvel is looking to cast a 30-year-old Caucasian man who is described as both a superhero type and a Zac Efron type as the character of Adam Warlock. As you remember, Adam Warlock's been teased for, he was teased after, what, the second movie, I believe? So, <laughs> um, interesting kind of thing here to think. Zac Efron, he looks like a superhero in real life, right? He's super jacked and built. He has a history with Disney. You remember, Marvel is owned by Disney, so he has a history of Disney with uh, High School Musical. So, interesting thought, right? And it seems like Zac Efron's always rumored for something. He's rumored for this now. Uh, he was rumored for Wolverine at one point in time. Uh, and I believe he was rumored for uh, Nightwing at one point as well. So, James Gunn, he saw these rumors apparently. He was asked about this, and on Twitter he answered it. By saying that, quote, there is no casting underway for Volume 3, and in what world would I only cast a Caucasian if the character has gold skin? And if I wanted a Zac Efron, uh, Zac Efron type, wouldn't I go to Zac Efron? Where do they get this nonsense? <laughs> so, um, I guess we can count out the Zac Efron rumors at this point. Uh, seeing how casting has not gone on for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 yet, according to the man that's uh, going to be behind the creation for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So I think we can take his uh, words and point there. Now, a couple things to think about. It is a Marvel film. They have lied to us before. And, um, well, you know, lied to us or kept things secret, <laughs> however you want to look at it. And, you know, so there you go. Maybe Zach Efron's in it, maybe he's not. But as of right now, according to James Gunn, nothing's happening there. <laughs> so, and he's still got to get to the Suicide Squad. I don't think they're shooting Guardians of the Galaxy until next year anyway. So, there you go. Uh, let's see, Mortal Kombat has officially been rated R for the first time. Uh, the other two Mortal Kombat films apparently were rated PG-13, which is wild to think about. Especially when you think of Mortal Kombat, it's definitely not PG-13. So, uh, this movie is definitely rated R, which that'll be coming very soon as well to the HBO Max. So, good to hear. We saw that first trailer, freaking brilliant. Can't wait to see that movie as it will be gorrifically awesome. 
Uh, let's see, speaking of not awesome and just get over with, I'm sick of hearing him talking about this. Disney CEO Bob Chepik, Chepik, Chopik <laughs> um, has confirmed that Marvel's Black Widow remains on the theatrical release calendar for May 7th. Whatever, fuck off, just release the movie already. Alright, um, Elizabeth Banks, Phil Lord, and Chris Miller are reuniting for a movie called Cocaine Bear over at Universal Pictures. Elizabeth Banks has signed on to direct Cocaine Bear. This is another movie she directed. Speaking of movies she's directed, Charlie's Angels. Fucking fantastic movie that people shit on for no goddamn reason. Um, Cocaine Bear, which is described as a character-driven thriller inspired by true events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. Uh, according to a New York Times report published in December of 1985, the bear died of an apparent cocaine overdose found by the Georgia Bureau of Investigations in northern Georgia. Among 40 opened plastic containers with traces of cocaine, the cocaine was apparently dropped by a plane piloted by Andrew Thornton, a convicted drug smuggler who died September 11th in Knoxville, Tennessee, because he was carrying too heavy a load while parachuting. The report explains, that sounds like a fucking riot, <laughs> and I'm in to see this movie. Like I mentioned before, I like uh, Elizabeth Banks' Charlie's Angels film, I thought it was definitely a good movie. And better than a lot of action movies I've seen lately. The movie got shat on for no reason. Um, other than it's uh, at a time where people are mad that girls are getting powerful and standing up and having fighting for women's rights and that they're allowed to star and they're allowed to make good money and all that stuff. So um, I like that movie a lot, man. I, I don't hate that movie. And I'm, I'm happy to see Elizabeth Banks doing more. She did... Um, this is escaping my mind. Probably, pit, I don't know if she did all the Pitch Perfect movies. I think she did Pitch Perfect 3, maybe. Two or three. One of the two. But she directed one of those as well, and I like the Pitch Perfect series. I thought they did really good with those. And, ooh, we're on the last bit of news here. So, uh, a novel titled uh, Let the Right One In, which was turned into a Swedish movie with the same name back in 2008, which, of course, got an American remake called Let Me In a couple years later. That movie novel, all that stuff, that vampire tale is now heading to the small screen with a deadline reporting that Showtime has ordered up a pilot episode for a potential series. Um, I saw the movie Let Me In once. I haven't seen the original version. I've only seen the American version. And it's been a couple years, so I'm trying to jog my memory. I watch a lot of movies. I didn't hate it. I, I want to say I didn't hate it, but I didn't find it... All that fascinating back then. Um, so I need to go back and rewatch it. But if I remember it kind of had like a slow pace to it. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. But it seemed like it had kind of like a slow pace to it. So I can see it being a TV show. Um, more than a movie. Uh, even though it's been a movie a couple times. I think a TV show might fit the idea a little bit more. So good to see man. Happy to see it. You know there you go. So that. That was the news. Got through that. Um, after the break came across an article about something that um put together two of my interests and i kind of want to talk about that so gonna take a break i'm gonna come back and then we're gonna talk uh that article be right back do you like to go to halloween horror nights do you yourself like hollow scream haunted attractions ghostly encounters and other scary things or maybe on the weekend you like to summon a ghost or go find yourself a demon if you do then this is the podcast for you haunters you can follow us every wednesday on podbean spotify and itunes you can also follow us on twitter and facebook at haunters pod where we're ready to haunt you ah wonderful it comes off kind of creepy we're keeping it 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. That was a little snippet of a Dove Cameron song. Uh, I talked about Dove Cameron earlier being casted as Bubbles uh, for the Powerpuff Girls show and wanted to play one of her songs, man. Like I said, I like her. Fan of hers. Uh, I think she's got a really good voice. She's, of course, a Broadway theater actress, so she's got the theater voice. But nonetheless, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but again, that was her. name of that song was Remember Me. Good stuff. So article that I came across that I wanted to talk about because it was very interesting. Put together two things that I'm a huge fan of, superheroes and um, horror movies. Uh, superhero blockbusters, to be precise. So, came across an article on bloodydisgusting.com entitled Superhero Blockbusters in the Horror Genre. Killer Clown, Mass Maniacs, and Beast. So, it's basically an article that goes on to talk about how... The movies are connected. How they are put together. How they have these connections. Which is an interesting thing about them. When you look at it. And you know. There is a lot of horror elements. In superhero films. A uh, man dresses a bat. Fighting a murderous clown. You know. Uh, that's a perfect example right there. So. I came across this list. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read a lot of stuff from this movie. Um, right here it says. Horror directors like Scott Dickerson. James Wan. And David F. Sandberg have moved from terrifying projects like Sinister and The Conjuring to superhero epics like Doctor Strange and Aquaman. So you got some of the same directors jumping back and forth and all that stuff. So I'm going to be reading from this article, so there might be a lot of information here. may go on for a little good bit, but fascinating stuff and really cool and interesting to me. And I know uh, some of the people that listen to the show love horror movies and love superhero movies. So that was really cool and be fun to talk about. Uh, First thing we got here is, of course, Tim Burton's Batman 1989 and his Batman Returns. Um... So, obviously, it's an, an easy example to run to of the horror-style elements evading Cape Crusader on the big screen. Uh, with the comic series, of course, with Batman, we all know that he goes against scarecrows, clowns, even a butcher wearing a pig mask. Things like that. Um, Burton is famously, of course, known for Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice. And he depicts his Gotham City as gothic, gargoyle-infested city of fear. Um, so, there you go. So, we've got... Uh, Social Order of Gotham City is one of a continuous crime with Batman doing the best he can to keep it relatively safe whenever possible. Of course, Batman's steady desire to keep things right is thrown off guard when the mobster-turned-clown Joker becomes hell-bent on bringing Gotham to its knees. The Batman-Joker dynamic has been recreated countless times where Burton makes us makes use of horror-adjacent visuals and interactions to add his uh, signature style to the tales. For instance, a terrifying sequence after Joker's dip in a vat of chemical acid has him undergoing facial reconstruction surgery. Afterwards, he eerily removes his bloody bandages and cackles at the sight of his deformed face in a rusty mirror. It's the birth of a supervillain and a monster at the same time. Replace the protagonist of this film with any other character besides Batman, it would 100% be a horror film about a homicidal clown taking over a gothic city. Very true. Uh, Burton's knack for twisting the iconic visuals of Batman's rogue gallery continues in Batman Returns. 
there's other stuff in uh, Batman 89 before that they didn't really mention here. Uh, there's a scene where the Joker freaking shocks a guy and the guy turns into a fucking skeleton. That's horror as well. So there's a lot of horror elements in there. Uh, back to Batman Returns. Dane DeVito, he was playing the Penguin. Uh, this time being depicted as a deformed penguin slash human hybrid creature. His eventual demise at the end of the film is especially grisly and full of putrid ooze. Uh, Catwoman, of course, also makes her big screen debut spotting a cat suit covered in ominous white stitches. Burton's two Batman films are a clear example of a horror director injecting genre-adjacent visuals and set pieces into a blockbuster. Which is true, man. There's definitely a lot of horror elements in those two films. That's probably why I enjoy them so much. Alright, what else? Uh, what do we have next? Here we got um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Like Batman, Spider-Man also features... Uh, frequently faces off against uh, ghoulish villains in his comic series. The iconic Green Goblin character even uses flaming jack-o'-lanterns as his weapon of choice. Sam Raimi, who is of course known for his work with the Evil Dead franchise, stepped into the Spider-Man trilogy. So there you go. Uh, William Defoe plays the Green Goblin who wreaks havoc. Blah, 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 blah. Once again, a superhero film is using horror-adjacent visuals in the form of Defoe's terrifying Green Goblin. The... Green face and razor-sharp teeth are something straight out of a horror science fiction film. Early costume tests for the film revealed an even more harrowing visual approach to the Goblin's menacing face. Raimi's knack for the bizarre and stylized as the screen in The Evil Dead continues throughout the Spider-Man trilogy. Villains like Doc Ock, Sandman, and Venom make use of extensive creature designs to make, them, make their on-screen debuts as unsettling as possible. Notable horror moments throughout the trilogy include Eddie Brock's gut-wrenching Venom transformation, Doc, Dr. Octopus's, I was going to call him, I mean, he's Doc Ock, mechanical arm surgery, similar sequence to Joker surgery in Batman, and Sandman turning into a gigantic mud monster in the middle of New York City. These films are filled to the brim with horror scenarios that constantly disrupt the normalcy established by the film's world. There you go, man. Whew. <laughs> Talking a lot. Uh, up next, we're going to talk David F. Sandberg Shazam and James Wan's Aquaman. Known amongst the horror community for his fantastic works, David F. Sandberg broke into Hollywood with his horror short-turned feature Lights Out shortly after Sandberg tackled The Conjuring spinoff Annabelle Creation, which has met with positive fan and critical reception. Most recently, the rising director completed Shazam, a blockbuster entry into DC's extensive cinematic universe. While nowhere near as dark and twisted as the former project, Shazam still retained much of Sandberg's famous horde directing DNA. Sandberg's goofy and dim-witted superhero protagonist is matched up against an ancient gargoyle-like creatures representing the seven deadly sins. For one of DC's most light-hearted, colorful experiences, the design of these menacing creatures was caught uh, quite intense, and one scene in particular truly oozes the Sandberg terrifying talent. Uh, yeah, during a board meeting featuring villain uh, Dr. Savannah, the ensemble of sinful creatures is released upon a group of unsuspecting businessmen. The silhouettes of the creatures are seen throughout, are seen through blurry glass window as they jump from victim to victim, dismembering and swallowing the fresh meat. While the gore is obviously silhouetted from for uh, ratings reasons, the chilling shadows and blood-curdling screams coming from the enclosed boardroom would fit at home in any creature film. Very true, man. Very true. There's definitely some monsters in that movie. Yeah, you don't really think of Shazam too much as like a horror movie and all that stuff, but they do get some horror elements for sure. Now looking at James Wan, who is of course known for his work in the Conjuring universe, 
at his own Dose of Terror in his mega blockbuster Aquaman. One sequence showcases terrifying trench monsters emerging from the depths of the sea. These creatures are even getting their own horror spinoff movie reportedly coming soon. As a bonus, the infamous Annabelle doll can't be seen sitting amongst the ocean floor during a quick moment in Juan's Aquaman. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I haven't caught that. Maybe I can find a picture of that somewhere, but um, I'm not watching that movie for, obviously, uh, Amber Heard boycotting reasons, but that's very interesting, and I haven't heard about that until just now. Uh, let's look at Scott Dickerson's Doctor Strange. Uh, Scott Dickerson, paired with frequent collaborator C. Robert Cargill, Cargill um, has made his mark on the horror genre with standouts like The Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister. For superhero fans, Dickerson is praised for his uh, direction of Marvel's Doctor Strange film starring Benedict Cumberbatch. While the magic-infused superhero outing isn't obviously reminiscent of the horror genre, one sequence in particular shows Dickerson's knack for the visually bizarre and unsettling. Uh, if I ever have an autobiography, that's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> visually bizarre and unsettling. Um... When the Ancient One tells Doctor Strange to open your eyes, he is suddenly transported down a rabbit hole of interdimensional madness. Later on in this trip, Strange finds himself in a cavern seemingly built up by faces, which then quickly shift into hands. He looks down at his own realization that several many hands are growing off his fingers, leading to an absolutely bizarre and terrifying body horror sequence as the miniature hands claw and grasp all over his body. He is then thrown into a giant recreation of his own eyeball, where he plummets down some more whimsical tunnels. This entire sequence could honestly fit right at the home of one of Lovecraft's reality-bending tales. That is freaking interesting. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, I need to see Doctor Strange again. I've seen that movie once. Um, okay, the article goes on to say, while there are simply too many instances to write paragraphs about, I figured I'd make sure to note all of the, all of the horror elements found in a slew of the recent gritty interpretations of comic book characters from DC's film division. David Ayer's Suicide Squad sports a cannibalistic killer croc character who even is willed out of prison Hannibal Lecter style, face mask and all. Not to mention the antagonist of the film is an ancient being named Ichabus. <laughs> who assumes a physical form after absorbing the flesh of humans in a gruesome sequence at a subway station. Jared Leto's purring, snarling, and cackling Joker tortures Dr. Harleen Quinzel with electric shock therapy in an intense Arkham Asylum breakout scene. Uh, Zack Snyder's Batman vs. Superman depicts the Cape Crusader as a frightening physical force, branding criminals with a bat insignia and at times even murdering them. Additionally, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor uses the blood from his sliced palm to resurrect an ancient monstrosity named Doomsday. Birds of Prey, Lily, uh, leading villainous, including uh, leading villains, include the egotistical Roman Sionis, who sports a menacing black skull mask, and the sadistic Victor Zaz, who takes pleasure in literally slicing people's faces off. Um, yeah, there's some definitely some horror elements in uh, Birds of Prey as well. Uh, Justice League has a scene where Superman's literal corpse is dug out of his grave, with Ezra Miller's Flash even making a Pet cemetery remark. And finally, one of the villains in Wonder Woman even sports a Phantom of the Opera-style mask to cover up facial scarring. Whether it's Marvel, DC, or even Sony, audiences continue to be drawn by two countless stories of heroes versus villains and the future of horror's dark dance with superhero epics 
shows no signs of slowing as films like Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness sequel, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Jared Leto starring Morbius, Zach, uh, Zack Snyder's rated R Justice League cut with a twisted new look at the Joker, and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad creep up on the horizon. You damn right, man. That was awesome. It's fun to think about. There's a lot of horror. There's a lot of stuff you can think about uh, connecting horror and superhero films, and it's really cool to hear them talk about that. Wasn't mentioned in uh, this article at all, but uh, Spider-Man Far From Home definitely has some horror elements, especially uh, there's a point where he sees a freaking zombified Iron Man. <laughs> so that whole sequence is freaking mind trippy and that has some horror elements thrown into it. So really cool, man. I like that article. Hope you digged me getting through that. And I lost my voice multiple times there for some freaking reason. I don't know why, but um. That's cool, man. It's cool to look into stuff like that, and fun. it's a fun thing to think about, man. A lot of the stuff that we're interested in can have parallels and connections that we never really um, think about connecting sometimes. So, you watch a superhero movie, think about, hey, man, this could be a horror movie. And it very much is, especially speaking of uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness with... Or not, I mean, that's being considered a horror movie. And that's very interesting. You know, very interesting. So, we'll see what's on the horizon. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going down. But super stoked and excited, man. And freaking Zack Snyder Justice League Week, baby! It's here. Super stoked, super excited. Can't wait. Talk about that movie soon. So, hope everybody enjoyed this episode. A lot of news. Cool article they came across this week. A lot of fun to be had. So, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever's going on. Um, Until then... Remember that happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one remembers to turn on the light. Talk to you next week. Oh, wait. Before we completely close the show here, one more thing to add to the superhero horror talk that was going on there a second ago. Don't know how this wasn't mentioned before. Freaking Brightburn, man. That movie is a straight up freaking horror movie set in like a Superman world. You know, it's a Superman horror movie. So Brightburn definitely fits in that uh, mold. Check Brightburn out if you haven't seen it already, but definitely one to check out for sure. Should have been on that list of horror movie superhero stuff. So there you go, Brightburn. And now we can uh, officially close the show. Remember that happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one remembers to turn on the light. Uh, That'll officially conclude the show. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining me this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get updates on all new episodes. As well, follow me on Twitter at review underscore it underscore Rob. Stay tuned for more adventures.